11:28. Um, we needed to pray for the kids, I guess, too. But your real prayer should be for um, Shelby Langston, who is in charge of that mess, uh, who was supposed to have a baby four days ago and still <laughs> hasn't. So is out there doing that. Pray that Tyler has patience and doesn't bite anyone's head off who would scream at him. And then the peace of God on, on Michelle and anyone working that parking lot. <laughs> Let it be. All right. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Joe, I should have had you read this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I, God... I'm lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. This is God's word. Uh, So we're going to cover, like I said, a lot today, 7 through 30. But I wanted to start with 28 through 30 that's more familiar so you can see where Jesus' discourse here um, ends up. I think if we can see, like, the end game where Jesus is driving at the weird verses in the middle, which you'll recognize once we get to there. The weird verse in the middle will make more sense. So just to outline so we have our bearings, what's what's going on. 7 through 11 and, and 13 and 14 um, is Jesus vindicating John. Okay, Remember, John is in prison. He's about to get his kappa detated. And so Jesus sends John a message from last week, right? Go tell John the lame see or the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead. All right, go tell John that. And then Jesus in this section goes to bat um, for John and vindicates who John is to the crowd. Okay, because he's in prison and people might be like, well, John. And Jesus says, no, John. So this section's overtly, powerfully positive. Okay? You, you, if it was an emoji, it'd be all thumbs up here for John. Then 12 through 24, the, the next section is Jesus' um, intense fighting, um, polemic, and rebuke against the Sadducees and the Pharisees. So not only have, have the, Sa- the Sadducees and Pharisees rejected uh, the message of the kingdom, which is, which is what John and Jesus are preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the axe is the root of, of the tree, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Not only have they rejected that, they have rejected, and they've done violence to the messengers of the kingdom. Okay, Rejecting the message and the messengers, and there are terrible, terrible consequences for that. So that section is very negative, and it's important you know that's negative, or you will read negative things in there positively and flip the whole thing on its head and then do weird stuff like the Crusades. Okay, so very bad. It's very bad. And then finally, to end that whole section, 25 through 30, Jesus reveals the heart of God for those who don't walk as the Pharisees do, and, 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 and even to those who have been burdened by the Pharisees, okay? For those who will humble themselves and follow Jesus and Jesus' way, okay? Follow how he is. Um, this section is very positive, okay? So there's a lot of, of details here, but I think with the big picture of the vindication of John, the rebuke of the Pharisees, and then the comfort and invitation to those with heavy loads, we can see what Jesus is doing here and then respond to it, right, with repentance and humility. Because that's the goal of all of this, okay? Not that we know stuff, but that we, we act it out and live it out. So verse verse 7, we're at the positive Part. These men were, were leaving, Jesus had said. Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. 
Okay, so Jesus gives the answer, says, tell John, I'm the guy. And then he looks at the crowd and he starts to vindicate John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed? You know, just swaying in the wind. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See, those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. All right, so Jesus is saying, you guys think that John is going to bend in prison. Okay, do you think John the Baptist is fickle? All right, you think he's soft? This and, and, you know, right, this guy's been in the desert, you know, wearing camel skin eat, or wearing animal skins, eating locusts and wild hunting and, and preaching fire and brimstone. All right. This is the this is the image of John the Baptist. And Jesus is saying, what you got? He's not going to bend. He's not soft like the guy can handle himself. And then Jesus vindicates John and John's message. What did you go out to see? A reed swaying in the wind, a man in soft clothes? No, you went out to see a prophet. And I tell you more than a prophet. John is the one about whom it is written. See, I'm sending my messenger before you, right? Quoting uh, Malachi. He will prepare the way before you. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John... And after, and if you're willing to accept it, John is the Elijah who is to come. Anyone who has ears, listen, all right? So he, he, he says, Jesus says, John is who Isaiah and Malachi and the angel Gabriel, right, before his birth and at his birth, said he would be. He, he's the guy. This is the guy. This is the messenger who Isaiah said, who Malachi said, would prepare the way of the Lord. And notice in Jesus Talking about this, he just kind of puts himself in there for Lord. Just slips that in there. Okay, prepare the way for me, right? I'm, I'm God. And then Jesus says in his continued vindication of John, right? His continued going to bat for John and lifting John up in the presence of these people. He says something um, strange. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, which is just people, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, we'll grow them in a lab probably in a couple years, but to now, it's just, those born of women is all y'all. Among those born of women, no one greater, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. Okay, so the traditional way that this is interpreted and taught is that Jesus is saying, yes, under the, the old covenant and the carnal Jewish kingdom, John was the greatest, but in the new covenant and in this mysterious, mysterious, spiritual reimagined kingdom, Jesus is bringing even the least will surpass the greatness of John. So we stand up in youth groups and and I can say this because I did it stand up in youth groups and say, you are greater than John the Baptist, right? Because you know what our children need is more ego. That's what they need. Just all right. That's that's how it was taught to me. That's how I taught it. Like, I am greater than John the Baptist. Um, I don't think that's what Jesus is is saying anymore. Okay, I think Jesus is sorry. I think Jesus is doing one of two things. Either he is insulting the Pharisees, which I'm not going to go into how because that would take time and you probably wouldn't believe me. Okay. Or the second thing I think Jesus is doing is reaffirming his identity as the Messiah, his identity as the greatest. Okay, so um, I think the second one is is more likely, though the insulting Pharisees one is kind of cool if you want to talk about it later. Okay, I think that when Jesus says the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist, he's talking about himself. Okay, and the reason I think that is because as you read through the Gospels, 
And, and, and you look, and you know, just in your own life, look at the example of Jesus, who he is, what he's like, what his heart is. How does Jesus describe himself all the way through? If you sat down and read through Matthew all the way to the end of John, how does Jesus describe himself as the least, right? As the lowest and, and the servant of all. Matthew twenty twenty six. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. The least. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. The least. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve as the least and the lowest. Luke 22. For who is greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you, Jesus says, as the one who serves. I am among you as the least okay and so that's how he explains himself and then what does he teach what does he give to the disciples john 13 if i then your lord and teacher have washed your feet if i have become the lowest and the least and you guys are walking through these dirty streets all day and i'm cleaning your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet if i'm the least you also ought to be. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, Luke nine forty eight. An argument rose among them as to which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, took a child and put him by his side and said to them, "Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you is the one who is." Great, right? Okay, it's just what's happening. Matthew 18. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, whoever humbles himself and becomes the least, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, right? So the most humble, the least, the lowest, Jesus says, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so you read that, you ask, and you look at the Gospels, look at this portrait we have of Jesus. Is there anyone more humble than Jesus? No. I mean, Moses writes, I'm the most humble. Moses was the most humble man who ever lived. Okay? Nobody's more humble than Jesus. Matthew 23, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself, whoever becomes the lowest and the least, will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, right? So just contrasting the the whole bit. So you get the flavor of lowest and least and greatest and how Jesus talks about it and uses those things. So therefore, I think in Matthew eleven eleven, Jesus is simply saying that John the Baptist is indeed the greatest born among women. Yet Jesus is even greater than John because Jesus humbled himself like a child. He became the least even more than John did. Okay, so he's still vindicating John, still lifting up John, exalting John, saying John is the greatest one born of a woman. John's been faithful to me even in prison, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is even greater than he is. Okay, because I'm going to go even lower than than John. So whichever, you know, you might think both of those are, are bull. Whatever interpretation, the point is that Jesus here is still vindicating John's person and message. Still exalting John, even though John is rotting in a prison cell, again, about to get his head cut off. All right? Jesus is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Just how it is, okay? So everything up to this point, aside from the maybe the dig at the Pharisees there, has been overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly good. John is the prophet. John is the one. John is the greatest born among women, except for me, Jesus says, right? 
And, and, and now in verse 12, right, we're going to shift. Right? Jesus is, is good, 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 good. And then he's going to put on his dad face. Okay? And, and get mad. He's done the positive bit. He's praised the righteousness of John. Like, guys, just the last couple of weeks, we've been working through Matthew 11 and 12 and thinking about John. John is awesome. Like, we could do <laughs> a lot. For, he, he's praising John and John's righteousness. Now, Jesus is going to lay the hammer down, okay? He's going to give rebukes and woes and check yourselves before you wreck yourselves type of, type of stuff. So, verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now... All right, so since John started right up to this very point, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence. Okay, NIV, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. The NAS, the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently, and the violent have been seizing it by force. NIV, violent people have been raiding it. NLT, violent people are attacking it. Okay, so you, have you guys read this scripture before? Right, okay. Depending on your, your Bible translation and your theological tradition, however you were raised, this passage, verse, verse 12 or 11, is interpreted either positively or negatively or weirdly both. Okay, just depending on what kind of translation you're, you're reading. So the positive version of Matthew eleven twelve is what I call the youth camp version. Okay, or earlier for me than youth camp. All right, so um, Carmen, may he... May God rest his soul. There he is. Pour one out for my man. Carmen. Um, guys, Neva has met Carmen. So you didn't think Neva was cool already. She met Carmen. Uh, Carmen had, had this song um, back in the day. And I, it's still awesome. I still listen, I still listen to it. Uh, which, is, you know, you know, Queens, we will rock you. Okay. This is Carmen's version of whatever awesome song you like from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Carmen has his version of it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so his, his version of Queens, We Will Rock You, is God's Got an Army, which is this hard rock. We're going to bring the kingdom and take dominion. And there's this call back. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. And then, Anyway, uh, and so it, it has this line in it that, that riffs off how the, the New Living Translation translates this verse and how the King James Version translates this verse. And so it sings it in this positive line. It says, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And it's this, yeah, right? You know, eight-year-old Josh is in his bedroom like, Yes! You know, take it by 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 force, and so you know that's happening in my bedroom. And then at youth camp, youth guy stands up on the stage with lights and smoke and band and shouts to thousands of kids: "The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, and the violent take it by force." And all the youth are like, "Yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna take our school for Jesus and go back home and get our parents saved." And then the whole bit. And I just want to say that is such a good thought and good emphasis and good attitude to have, okay? You should, your kids should want to be active and, and not passive and, and go for the things of God in your life, okay? That is overwhelmingly a good thing. We should be doing it. The only problem is that's not what this says, okay? <laughs> so keep that emphasis, just don't apply it to Matthew 11, okay? This is a negative context, okay? He, he's, he shifted to, I'm mad, all right? John is awesome, y'all not. And so Jesus is rebuking 
and, 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 and chastising those who are resisting and attacking him, those who are resisting and attacking John, and those who are resisting and attacking their message. Okay, And so one commentator interprets it this way. The kingdom of heaven, right, the message and the messenger suffers violence. Not being received by Israel, right? Everywhere Jesus goes, he's being attacked and ridiculed. Like at, at, at one point, he's got to do like, we'll have to ask him about it in the age to come. But like there's this mob coming for him and he just kind of disappears. Do you guys know that, that story? Like he, he, his message is not being received. John's message is not being received. Because where's John right here? As Jesus is saying this, John's in prison. Why? Because he's preaching the message of the kingdom. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The axe is laid at the root of the tree. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you don't, right? When he comes, the wheat will go into the barn. The chaff will go into the fire. And where's John? In prison. Right? He's being attacked. He's having violence done to them. So to interpret this violence here, the kingdom suffers violence positively, it just doesn't fit what Jesus is saying. And it flies in the face of, if you just sat down with your Bible and you went to the back, I don't, or you wouldn't do this now, you would type it in your phone, and you just looked up violence, and you looked up every instance of violence in your scripture, Psalm 140 that Amanda read this morning, generally, does the Bible talk about violence positively or negatively? Psalm 140 was overwhelmingly violent bad, okay? Violence is is bad. So Ezekiel 22, just as an example, the conspiracy of her prophets, so like the religious leadership of the day in Ezekiel's day, the Pharisees and, and Sadducees then, the conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives, violent. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my whole... Like, do you get the flavor of how they talk about violence? Like, it would be so weird to have this entire story of the Bible with violence like this and then Jesus step in and say, violence is awesome. You know what I mean? Like it would just be a, it's possible, I guess, but it's a weird way to ring it. So John and Jesus and and their message, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. They are having violence done to them by violent men, as has been the pattern of all the prophets since Moses, right? Like this happens to Moses by his own kin. Like we don't like you and then the earth opens up and swallows them. Okay. So listen to what I say. I'm just kidding. Sorry. I've heard preachers actually say that, and I'm joking. Um, the earth will not open up and swallow you if you don't listen to what I say. All right. Matthew 11:12 then, could be read this way. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent people are attacking it. Okay? That's what he's saying, right? That's just... Okay, so he says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent people are attacking it. Verse 16, to what shall I compare this generation? Are you still going at them? To what shall I compare these violent men? They're like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to other children. We, the wicked generation, we played the flute for you, John and Jesus. But you, John and Jesus, you didn't dance. Okay, we, the wicked generation, the violent men attacking the kingdom message, we sang a lament, but you, John and Jesus, you didn't mourn. To what shall I compare this generation? Jesus says, bratty children. All right, 
You guys are a bunch of bratty children. Play our games with us, right? Do our thing. Follow our path, John. Follow our path, Jesus. Do what we're doing. So for the Pharisees, the game they want John and Jesus to play means to do deals in, in the inner rooms and, and bring the kingdom of God through their you know, so-called show of spirituality, right? So Matthew 24, which Lord willing we'll get to next year, I think. Jesus says, don't don't go look in the inner rooms, right? He's talking about the temple where they're doing deals to try and exalt themselves. Don't don't go look in the inner rooms. Don't do the Pharisees games that the kingdom of God comes from heaven like lightning, right? For the Sadducees, the games they want John and Jesus to play means to rally an army out in the desert and bring the kingdom of God through a violent revolt, right? So what's Jesus say in Matthew 24? What Jesus was the sign of your coming, sign of the end of the age. Jesus says, don't look in the inner rooms. And don't go out in the desert saying, there he is or here he is, the kingdom of God. How's it come? Like lightning flashing from the sky across. You know what I mean? Like it's this big thing. And they're saying to John and Jesus, one, they're doing violence to them. And they're saying, play our games with us. Dance to our song. Do things like the Sadducees violently. Or do things like the Pharisees with self-righteousness and deals in the inner room. Does that make sense? Like he's poking two bears here. And John and Jesus aren't going to dance to their song. They're not going to play the games that the world is trying to get them to play. And therefore, they are rejected. And therefore, they, are, they have violence done to them. And, and they're totally rejected. Okay? Like, totally, Jesus and John cannot win. Alright? So, verse 18. This is hilarious. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. Okay, so John comes and he's rejected because he's not eating and drinking. So Jesus is going to try eating and drinking and we'll see how they respond to that. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The point is, it doesn't matter what John and Jesus do. This crew will reject them. Right. Doesn't it doesn't matter. And, you know. You maybe have examples of this in your own life. Like, no matter what I do, they won't like me. All right. Maybe you don't. Sorry. Then he says, so they reject John for coming this way. They reject Jesus for coming this way. And then the author of Matthew says, yeah, wisdom is vindicated. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. So John and Jesus will be vindicated on the last day for choosing the narrow path. They're going to be vindicated for not playing the games and and choosing to be faithful unto death. They're going to be vindicated for not playing the games and and proclaiming this unpopular message of judgment. You know what I mean? Like, Like, John is not selling out stadiums. Saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. Like, it's, it's, it's unpopular, just as Jesus promised in Matthew 10. Right, right before this, Jesus says, if you proclaim this message of the kingdom, this is what will happen. And in Matthew 11, what's happening? Just what he said. And so to finish the negative section, Jesus once again proclaims the day of the Lord. And I won't read the whole thing. But then he proceeded to denounce the towns where most of his miracles were done. Why? They didn't repent. Woe to you, Chorus, and woe to you, Bethsaida, on and on and on. You will go down to, to Hades. 24, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Okay? How, how has Sodom been treated in the scripture? Warmly? <laughs> Hot? 
right? Fire and sulfur rain down from heaven on Sodom and those who reject John and Jesus, those who do violence to John and Jesus, those who do violence to John and Jesus message the day of judgment will be worse for them than it was for for Sodom. It's very negative. It's a very, very bad thing. And the reason is because they've rejected the message of the kingdom. They've rejected the, the message to bear the fruits of repentance before the Lord's day. It's a big deal. Okay? It's not some small, like this isn't like, um, like, how do I say? That Jesus is not like doing a cute Bible lesson here, right? I, Mary and Judy, I love your felt boards, you know. Jesus doesn't have the felt board out to little kids here. He's talking to grown adults who are doing violence and rejecting the message and rejecting the call to repent before the day of the Lord. And so to reject it in this way, to to reject both God's message and God's messengers leads to judgment. It leads to the hell of fire. Okay, and, you know, even if you've been following Jesus for 60, 70, 80, 90 years or even one day, like that should still cause you to tremble. Okay, like I don't want to make peace with and not think about hell and not think about judgment like, well, that's for other people. Surely I could like, no, like you, you know, like the mercy of God would be for you to wake up one day and just have this holy fear and trembling about the day of the Lord. Okay, and then, you know, in the mercy of God, remind you of God's mercy and his power and his spirit and all the stuff that's keeping you for that day. But I think it's good just to have this healthy fear in your guts, in your heart, kind of all the time. that you know what? That day's coming where he's really going to split the sky and I'm going to give account for my life. And I want to make sure, okay, before that day it, it, to reject God and, and his message leads to the hell of fire. And it led to judgment for that generation. Okay. Like, like, like 66 to 70 AD, 136 AD after that, like judgment came powerfully on them. It will lead to judgment for our generation. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if there's not like collective repentance in the earth, God will send judgments in, in mercy and kindness to wake us up for the judgment to come. And it will culminate if we reject God and God's message in the, in the greatest outpouring of wrath since the flood in the generation that's alive at the day of the Lord. Okay? Like this is real. It's real Jesus in the flesh talking to real people about judgment that really happened to them and will happen to them at the day of the Lord. So I'm just saying it's no small thing to reject the message. It's no small thing to reject the, the messengers and, and for this context in particular and some application to ours is no small thing to boast in your own strength, right? Because what are the Sadducees boasting in? Well, we're just going to get an army out in the desert and overthrow Rome that way. What are the Pharisees boasting? Well, we're just going to be holy enough and we're going to figure this out. Like, that's their great sin. That's their great rejection of God. The Pharisees with their self-righteousness and the Sadducees with the swords. We reject you, Jesus, as the Messiah. We don't trust God to bring the kingdom. We're going to do it ourselves. That is very, very dangerous. Okay? God takes very seriously any kind of attitude in our hearts that says, I'm kind of a big deal. God will deal with that. God will take care of that. God will, will judge that. And this led to their judgment. Woe to you. Woe to these cities. Woe to that city. Woe to that city. It will be worse on the day of judgment than it was for Sodom than it is for you. Okay? But for those who will receive the message, okay? 
Now Jesus is putting his happy dad face back on. For those who will receive the message. For those who will, who will hear John's call to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And who will produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And who will take heart Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, because we're still in Matthew, right? Like this is still, everything's kind of flowing out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Those who will take to heart those words that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God belongs not to the proud, not to the haughty, not to the mighty and to the rich, but to who? Who's the kingdom belong to? The poor in spirit. Those who mourn, those who show merciful, those who are meek. Jesus' message is that their story ends not with woes and judgment, but their story. The poor in spirit, the meek, the lowly, those who show mercy, their story ends in eternal life. You just, it's, you can't get more opposites, okay? Woe and judgment or life Everlasting. This is the message Jesus proclaims. So verse 25, at that time, after concluding his rebukes and his woes, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. And just, it, if you guys are sitting down, you open up and you're reading your Gospels, like, just ima- picture and imagine and think about, okay, Jesus has praised John, rebuked these guys. Now he's not talking to any of them. Now he's just talking to his Father. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal to him. And who's that? Based on what we've read so far, Who does the Son desire to reveal the Father to? It's not to those who think they're awesome, right? They're wise and intelligent. The Son desires to reveal reveal the Father to those who know they're not. Okay? Those who respond to the kingdom message and the messenger in repentance and humility. Right? Two guys go up to the temple to pray. One says, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like this guy. The other guy says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, one of those guys went home justified. Which one? When he says, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is who the son desires. Okay. Mary's Mary's song, Matthew uh, or Luke chapter one. Right. She she's the the angel comes to her and, and says, you know, the whole Christmas bit. Mary says. In that song, it says, he has filled the hungry with good things. Why? It's just continually being fulfilled. <laughs> He's filled the hungry with good things and he sent the rich away empty. Like, th- this is how it works. And then Jesus closes by extending the invitation Come to me. Right? Praise John. Rebuked these men for being wise and intelligent and then says to all, Come. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All right? And rest in the scriptures, ages to come. Right? The Sabbath rest remains for the people of God, Hebrews 4. Come to me, I'll give you rest. I'll get you there. If this age is wearing you out, I'll get you to the rest of the coming age. And he says, I'll show you how to do it. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
Because I am a lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So whether you're living as John, faithful unto death, or whether you're living and boasting in yourself, like that, that second section there, Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'll, I'll get you there. And it's not that it's a yoke at all. Or not a yoke at all, right? Because that's this gets preached that way sometimes. Okay? It's not that it's not a yoke at all. It's that the heart of our master and our king is gentle and lowly. And the heart of our master and king is for those who are weary and for those who are tired. He will give you rest. Okay? He will serve. He's, like, he's still... The God and King who washes our feet, who does the bit. His yoke and his commands and his leadership are for our good to lead us to eternal life and to lead us into rest. And I promise you, if you will come, if you will repent, if you will humble yourselves, he will get you there. He will take you there because it's his heart, gentle, meek and lowly. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you for um, uh, the example of John. God, we thank you for uh, God, one faithful unto death, faithful to proclaim the message, to repent. Kingdom of heaven is, is near, it's at, at hand, it will arrive soon. Therefore, repent and turn. Thank you for his imitation and his example, God, that even in the face of violence, even in the face of death, he's faithful. So this is our, our first prayer, God, is that we would not be a reed shaken by the wind. God, that we would live, function with the heart and attitude of a prophet. Second, God, we we repent, God, if there is any um, inkling of boasting in us. Anything in us that would would match and model um, the leaders of that day, God, as self-sufficient. And boast in our own strength like we'll bring the kingdom of God. Without God. God, I ask that you would remove that. You would burn it out, God, if there is any pride in us. I ask that your spirit would burn it out. God, you would remove pride from us. God, the warnings against pride. Um, Guys, we take this to heart. Pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So remove those things from us, God, so we can trust the heart of Jesus. So we can give ourselves to a king who is, is gentle and lowly and who calls us to take his yoke on us and take his burden on us. And, and he will lead us to eternal life. He'll lead us on the path. Get us there. God, we praise you for you haven't revealed those things to the wise and intelligent, but you revealed them to infants. So I ask that we would become like children, become like infants, open hands and and humbly receive your heart, humbly receive your message and bear fruit in keeping with repentance until the day comes.
the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have um, questions about Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to repent and trust in Jesus for the long haul, uh, if you're sitting next to a member of our church, they can tell you. If you'd rather talk to me or any of our elders, you can do that too. Um, But don't leave here not doing something with Jesus. Okay? Um, Our elders will be at the front now for prayer. Pray with an elder. You can pray in your seat. The only thing you can't do is just check out now. Okay? So let's pray.